0: Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I found a really interesting case for you guys today. Um, This takes place back in the 1920s. It's a murder mystery. And hopefully maybe someone out there will be able to solve it one day. Who knows? So here we go. This is out the Lava Lake murders. The lava lake sites are nestled deep in the Deschuettes hope I'm pronouncing that right. I am so sorry if I'm not. Um, National Forest about a forty five minute drive from the town of Bend, Oregon. These picturesque locations have become heavily trafficked over the years, with campers and fishermen taking advantage of all the natural beauty this part of the state has to offer. And for those who don't know, especially if there's any international listeners, Oregon is incredibly beautiful from pictures. Oh, sorry, my cat decided to come here and join me. That was my cat bouncing, jumping on the couch. So she wants to join in on the murder mystery too. So the lake got its name, gets its name from how it was formed. For the United States Department of Agriculture, or USDA, lava flow from millennia ago cooled and formed a dam along what would eventually become one of the lake's shores. Natural springs poured into the basin, creating a body of water that was trapped in place by cooled lava. The cool water temperature of Lava Lake makes it perfect home for trout and an excellent destination for fishermen. But nearly a century ago, especially in the colder months, hunters and trappers set up camps in the forest, earning their living while roughing it away from civilization. One such trapping expedition in 1924 ended in the brutal murders of three men who sought refuge in the cabin they shared this tragic event whose perpetrator may or may not have been behind bars. The Trapping Expedition was a success for the three men who began braving the Oregon Wilderness in the fall of 1923. Edward Nichols, who is 50, Dewey Morris, 25, and Roy Wilson, 35, made plans to stay in the cabin owned by a local logging company owner, with with their sights set on trapping for valuable furs beginning in the late fall and lasting through the winter of 1924. Because of the nature of their work, the contract they had with the outside was severely limited. There were no campgrounds or hiking trails to cut around the scenic lake in those days, So the tree was left to their own devices, cut off from the rest of civilized society while they trapped animals to sell their pets. So shortly before Christmas, Edward Nichols appeared in Bend with a sled full of furs. Before heading back to the cabin, he sold them, noting that the trapping was going well for him and his partners. Front page detectives tells of how the men were visited on January 15th, 1924 by Alan Wilcicone, or Will Coxon, or however you say that. And, um, I forgot to say this at the beginning of the episode, but um, with a lot of old-timey cases, and especially since this one was done in the 1920s, um, or reporting was done on the 1920s, there's not a lot of information out there. There's only so much, so I'm just giving you what I found and a, and a lot of the reporting I did found is very scarce. So, the back to the back to the episode. So, the owner of a resort in Elk Lake who is snowshoeing there from his home in Fall River. Will Coxon later reported that his three hosts were in great moods and were enjoying their successful trapping expedition. He was the last known person to see these men alive when he departed the cabin. When winter began to turn to spring, friends and family at the Trio of the Trappers became concerned that they had not returned to Bend, Oregon. With these concerns turning into fears about their safety, their brother, the brothers of Morris, reached out for help. Front Page checked his reports that he enlisted the use of the superintendent of Sumula Fish Hatchery, Pearl Lins, when he noticed that all of the traps in the area around the cabin had not been emptied. Indeed, if the trappers were able, they would have cleared their traps. A search party was formed. When relatives and officials entered the cabin, they found it abandoned but the men had left all their possessions behind. If they had left the cabin of their own free will, they wouldn't have left behind their guns, clothing, and other essential items. Behind the cabin was a fox pen that contained the cabin owner's foxes. In exchange for staying in the cabin, the trappers were to feed and care for the five foxes included inside it. According to front page detectives, four of the foxes were found skinned, and their coats missing. Upon investigation, the grounds outside the cabin, the search party discovered several more items of interest. One was the absence of the trapper's snow sled, which appeared to have been drugged away from a still visible snow trail. The other items they noticed worried them more, spent shell casings and pools of blood. The trail in the snow led to the middle of Lava Lake, where the missing sled was recovered. On the sled was more blood and clumps of what was believed to be human hair. Nearby, it was detected that a hole had been chopped into the frozen lake with a hatchet. Putting the pieces together, investigators concluded that someone murdered the three trappers and deposited their bodies under the ice. So after they dug the men out, they performed autopsies on the men, which you always do. Autopsies revealed that the men had all died of gunshot wounds and blunt force trauma, likely from a hammer. Wilson had been shot in the right shoulder and back, while a shotgun blast had shattered Nichols' jawbone. He also had a bullet hole, likely from a revolver, in his head. Morris had been shot in the left forearm and had a skull fracture, presumably from a hammer. It was estimated that the murders occurred in late December 1923 or early January 1924. In an official police report, Sheriff Claude Macaulay wrote of the scene, Even though the weather was perfect, the clear air was impregnated with the odor of death and decomposition, and it was with an undefinable spirit of awe and consternation that the little party of hardy outdoorsmen laid aside their packs, kicked off their snowshoes, and prepared to tackle a grim job, which was t- which was little to their liking. According to a published report in April 1924, police believed at least two men had not been murdered in close vicinity to the cabin, and have, but had been lured away from it. Initially, police suspected a woodsman and moonshiner named Indian Erickson of the Grimes, who maintained a camp at the nearby Coltis Lake? Erickson was dismissed by police, however, after supplying an alibi. And I unfortunately cannot find that alibi, so who knows what actually happened with him? A break in the case was made when it was discovered that Nichols had a business partner from Venture, the previous summer, whom he had had nasty falling out with. The man, Charles Kimsey, had stolen from Nichols. When confronted, Kim Zay threatened Nichols, vowing to return at some point and kill him. In Portland, Oregon, a traffic officer recalled that a man fitting Charles Kim Zay's description had approached him on January 25th, asking for directions to a furrier. He was carrying a sack full of furs. The officer, W.C. Bender, pointed him toward Schumacher Fur Company. The proprietor made a statement claiming he bought the furs from two men one of whom Afe had Charles Kimsey's description and had Nichols' ID. Kimsey was on the run to escape prison in Idaho. He was in the middle of a 15-year sentence for burglary in Idaho when he broke out. He gave an alibi for the murders in Lava Lake and probably thought the worst would happen to him was being returned to Idaho to finish out his sentence. But Kimsey was met with a response with surprise. Not long before the Lava Lake murders, he attacked a cab driver... And deposited his body in a nearby well. His victim, W. O. Harrison, was not dead, like Kimsey thought. He climbed down the well and got help, unbeknownst to Kimsey. When the cab-driver identified Kimsey as his would-be assailant, Kimsey was charged with attempted murder. He fled from the charges and remained on the run for several years before being recognized. Law enforcement knew that Kimsey's alibi might be enough to set him free, so they took a chance and reached out to Harrison. Even though it was a decade before, Harrison could still identify Kimsey as his attacker, and this was enough to get him charged with attempted murder. A jury found Kimsey guilty, and he was sentenced to life in an Oregon prison. Leased in 1957, he served 25 years for the attempted murder of Harrison able to formally link him to the murders of the three trappers, perhaps there was some satisfaction having him behind bars for a separate crime that he almost got away with. The law murders are still officially unsolved. The law enforcement teams of yesterday and most armchair detectives of today believe that the perpetrator was Kim Zay. but even with the amount of certainty that many hold about that hypothesis, it still begs one crucial question. Who was the second man when Kimsey when he sold the furs? The size of the trappers, mm-hmm. the fact that there were three of them, and the revelation that Wilson was a former Marine made investigators doubtful that only one person could have carried out the triple murder, especially in the way it was done. The accomplice was never revealed, and no one of interest was ever detrained or questioned. As Kimsey flatly denied any part of the murder of Lava Lake, there wasn't any chance he was going to divulge that final missing piece of this case. And that is the case of the Lava Lake murders. Sorry, it was a, it's a, this is going to be an incredibly short episode, but unfortunately, that is all I have on this case. So, I hope you found it interesting like I did and uh let me know whether you guys are liking what I'm doing here or not. And I hope you guys have a great day. Bye.